Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, codename Crapula. And I'm your Cobra intern, codename Firegood. Or Legion Cub. I got to give you guys credit for those because I did not give you a heads up at all. <laughs> we were doing that and you both brought it. Well, mine was, I, I had planned to do that one. I'm, I'm like, ah, we're, we're wearing the same clothes to the ball because you used the Dracula voice too. But <laughs> oh, It's fine. It's fine. There's, there's, there's more than one Dracula in the world. You've got mustache Dracula. Draculas. You've got Gary Oldman Dracula. You've got, you've got just all kinds of Draculas. It's fine. There's, there's plenty of room. Who's your favorite Dracula? Oh wow! <laughs> Who is my Quackula. favorite Dracula? Uh, Count Count I, Duckula. I believe Yak this Duckula. is a yes. I believe this is a Troy from uh, Community uh, question about who your favorite Dracula oh, is. Man, I would have to put some thought into that. I mean, off the top of my head, <laughs> I want to say Marvel Dracula just because I really like Dracula with a mustache and that one Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends episode with Dracula. Yeah is incredible um but also and it's super super rare uh but every now and then i've seen it pop up on youtube uh they in the early 80s uh there was an anime studio that took the tomb of dracula and made an anime out of it so like out of the old marvel stories but it's it's pure 80s anime bat s crazy it's so good. That's where the the um, Dracula eating the hamburger mm. comes oh, from. Oh, okay. I wondered where the heck that came from. Okay, so my yeah. my favorite Dracula is the Dracula from the music video for the uh, legendary Toto Coilo song Dracula's Tango, <laughs> whichever you have to look out. this up, dude. Have you have you heard this song? No, but the it's, name alone is saying I'm going to love it. Best. Okay, you know I eat cannibal, right? Yeah. It's the group that did that song, but it's Dracula's Tango, and it it deserves to be on every Halloween list. My real answer, and and I just wasn't thinking about like real Draculas. Uh, Christopher Lee is my Dracula, mm. like that. He's my Dracula. Period. I mean, after the the Dracula's Tango, Dracula. Noel, do you, do you do you actually have a favorite Dracula? Um, I was thinking about uh, you're so cool, Brewster. I was thinking about Fright Night, um, being my favorite version of Dracula. But uh, is he a Dracula though? Is or he is Dracula? He a or is he just a vampire? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, he's he's Dracula enough for me. He's Dracula wrapped in a really good '80s sweater. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, and then later on, uh, one one of the remakes that i think of is very successful i thought the fright night remake was great yeah with uh is it colin farrell is that yep yeah yeah Yeah. that's a good if you if you skipped the fright night remake because the original is so good which it is give it a chance because it's good anton Mm -hmm. yelchin and yes the late the late great anton yelkin is fantastic david tennant it, it's it's great it's great it's mm-hmm. a really really good movie okay uh, we gotta get we gotta get down to business you can follow us on instagram at audible interlude podcast and on x 
at GI Joe Audible. Uh, you can see us every other Monday on the Needless Things YouTube channel. Our next live stream is October the 23rd, uh, where we will continue our spooky theming. You can get Audible Interlude shirts on TeePublic. Go to Audible Interlude Podcast and check out the pinned stories for links to those shirts. Uh, and we got one more before we dive into our spooky segments. Uh, we got one more little talk, topic of conversation that uh, I wanted to cover with you guys. What what would you like to see in classified that qualifies as creepy, spooky, or possibly kooky? Your mysterious ooky. Yes. Altogether ooky. I'll kick Go this ahead, one no. off. Or, I'll, I'll yeah, kick this or, one off or, since I uh, this this was my thought prompt and. This is what I had in mind. So we don't even have the mole rats in hand yet, but I'm very, very excited about them because I like the story that they're introducing. I like that they're introducing this horror element of whether they're zombies or infected or whatever the case. We, we kind of know those things are interchangeable, whether we're talking about 28 days later or whether we're talking about walking dead or whatever humans who have lost the ability to reason essentially uh so they're introducing this weird well they're not introducing it they're introducing it to classified it's not it's far from the first time we've seen it in gi joe uh but i want them to take the mole rats a step further and give us full-on like the thing inspired troop builders like Mm. the infection has worsened or mutated or whatever the case may be. And I know deluxe troop builders are not necessarily a popular decision, but give us the base figure with all kinds of interchangeable parts, like multiple heads. Well, like what monster force is doing essentially. Well, that's what I was wondering if instead of a deluxe figure, if you did like what you were talking about, like one deluxe, but then also sold a pack, right? Almost like the old battle packs, but here's a zombie cobra trooper head. Okay, Here's some battle damaged hands, so then you can just swap out the figures you already have. Here's, yes. Well, yeah, I love that idea, and I actually kind of was trying to figure out how that would work, because as of now, Classified doesn't, I don't feel like the interchangeability is widespread enough to support that. But what if we did this? What if there's a deluxe version of this, but they also sell base sort of bucks of it so you can use the extra parts in the deluxe to put on these base figures? Yeah. So it would be a base troop builder body with like tendrils or claws or or crazy Venus flytrap hands or whatever. I don't know. Uh but then maybe you could order direct from Pulse a $15, $20 basic version of it. And, and all of those parts would be interchangeable. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I need, uh, and that's how we introduce Blowtorch. The first version of Blowtorch we get is an Amazon-exclusive Arctic Blowtorch to continue our, to continue our thing theme. Okay. And, and, and the alternate head is basically just Kurt Russell. <laughs> I'm down with that. Arctic blowtorch <laughs> just ruining the environment. <laughs> but saving humanity. 
You thought global warming was melting the ice caps. It's just no, blowtorch up there trying to exterminate all these aliens, all, all these infected energon things. So anyway, that was mine. I, I want to see some real life because I, I still love the zombie vipers from the modern stuff and would love to see that expanded on. <clears throat> Uh, all right, Noel, uh, what do you got? I can go next. Uh, I actually took mine in a little bit of a different direction because I was, you know, we we talked about Crystal Ball last week because obviously that's one that I want to see in the line, and that's obviously what the the default answer would be. But uh, not thinking of things that are mystical or supernatural or like monstrous technically in that in that sense. What I'd actually like to see because I always thought it was a cool character design, uh, even though. I know it's not most people's favorite part of G.I. Joe, but I think that the rise of Cobra, Cobra Commander, is like a really, when he's got like the like the kind of digital monocle on and the little gas mask and he's yeah, all yeah, yeah. burnt up and like and, and damaged, like I think he's a really creepy looking character and they did a really good job with the voice and I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, God save his soul, he did a great job in some very mid-level material he had to work through in that. Um, but I'd like to see that, you know, maybe it's just some like alternate universe version of Cobra Commander, or maybe he's like another guy who's trying to, you know, lead Cobra off somewhere else. He's well, not just the make original him, Cobra Commander. Just make him Dr. Rex Lewis and just release oh, yeah. that look <laughs> as a figure. Like don't even, don't even call it Cobra Commander. But you could tie it into Cobra Law. That's yeah. the mutation starting oh, to happen. Wow. Mm. That's the the in between, and that's how he's Mindbender is experimenting on him, trying to keep him as human as possible. Bum 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 bum. Ooh. Mm. There's there's a there's a narrative path to pursue here in the future. <laughs> I like this. Uh, all right, Christian. Okay, so I went in a completely opposite direction, as usual, of the two of you. And I was thinking playset. Ooh, I like it. Because, so Extreme Sets recently came out with, um, like, an Egyptian inside the pyramid temple kind of diorama. And I would love to see something like that, except it is more of like what you would have got with the old adventure team, where there are lots of traps, right? Like I want um, where the, the part where you can have your Joes going in and you have two walls that you can push in to close in on them, or you push the little button and the spikes come up from yeah. the floor yeah, yeah. obviously a trap door that they fall down into and then um lots of classified scaled skeletons like i i i, I don't want it to be kitty like i want this yeah. to be like a true putting your joes into danger as they try to um rescue the gem from the giant snake well, and if they do it right, this is the kind of thing where you could use this with other, because this is interesting. I have not had the opportunity to listen to this yet, but uh, Lenny and Emily were on full force, uh, still trying to get them on our show. 
hope hope will never go away but they were on uh full force and lenny acknowledged he was like i know you guys are collecting other toy lines and you know we we think of that if we can give you a piece you know or a little prop or something that maybe can interact with other things like that we're we're aware of that so the playset like that if they do it right you could potentially throw your NECA Universal Monsters in it, or you could put your Operation Monster Force, or your like. Right. They could make it generic enough to where it would be very appealing to like toy photographers, diorama builders. That's why I was thinking the pyramid because yeah, I I, I don't remember what it what toy line it was, but online recently I saw some generic three and three quarters, five points of articulation. Um, or maybe it was from NECA. Anyway, it was like a haunted house, right? Oh, Mes- Mesco is doing. Was oh, that it with yeah, the car? And when I saw that, I was like, I would love to have that in classified. Yeah. But I also have a weird aesthetic, and I'm thinking for the general <laughs> classified person, do they really want a Scooby Doo haunted house for their figures? Probably not. So what would what would take those concepts right. and put it in more of a GI Joe setting? Because man, I would love that. Yeah, the Mez, uh, it's the Mezco Five Points Collection. They did a, I think it's a monster castle that comes with five, uh, not Universal Monsters figures, right? But right. there is also a Scooby Doo Haunted House playset that comes with the Mystery Machine, the Scooby Gang, and a bunch uh, of the villains as well. Okay. Uh, I would love to see these in person if they ever come out. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like the idea of, of a classified play. Because I, when I was a kid, that's why I had to get that Fortress of Fangs again. Because when I was a kid, the moving spike wall, the, the right. trap door, the little catapult, the, like all of that. I love that stuff. It is time for a special holiday segment that we've never really done before, although we do plenty of speculative, fun exercises like this on the show. Uh, so, Christian, Noel, are you ready to be presented with a scenario? Why, sure. Surprised me. All right. Here we go. And this may sound familiar. Count Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and the Gill Man have appeared in the present day, ready to take over the world. Cobra Commander's agents have gotten wind of this, and naturally, the evil genius wants to use the monsters in his nefarious plans. What team would the commander assign to handle this ominous outreach? And once G.I. Joe finds out, who are they sending to counter this Cobra Monster Alliance? You might think of them as the G.I. Joe Monster Squad. <laughs> uh, let's start with Cobra, since they, you know, as was often the case in Sunbow, were the ones taking the initiative. Uh, Cobra Commander has gotten wind of Count Dracula leading these monsters uh, into the present day for some sort of uh, nefarious intent. So who is Cobra Commander assigning because he's not going himself he's going to be sitting in his control room breaking furniture and screaming at screens uh (laughs) who is he sending to take care of this who wants to start uh i'll i'll start so uh obviously he wants to 
he wants to find the right troops that are going to really fit in with these particular characters. Um, maybe ones who would be good at, uh, you know, uh, communicating with these individual characters, or maybe ones that might be tracking them in their natural world. So, uh, first of all, um, as, as kind of the his his go-to for Count Dracula, well, he's going to pick Crystal Ball. Obviously, he has that Transylvanian background. Uh, so, you know, he can probably relate to Dracula and maybe have a sit-down with him. For Frankenstein's monster, well, I mean, Cobra has their own Frankenstein's monster, and this, I command, he's going to be the one that's organizing all this. So Serpentor is definitely on this because he can feel Frankenstein's monster's you know, what he's gone through being assembled from all these other dead, dead people from the past for the Wolfman. Well, you, you got to be able to track the Wolfman. So you got the shadow tracker. Who's going to track him for the mummy. Well, you got to have those desert scorpions out there combing the desert to find the mummy. And for the gill man, send those hydro vipers out there. Cause uh, well, they've also got webbed hands. So <laughs> that's, that's your, that's your crew that Cobra commander is putting together. I, I like that you went with a mix of like empathy for the characters <laughs> and also just aesthetic similarities. I this, yes. this is this is a different approach from the one that I took, and I appreciate that. That's why we're here. Um, did you specify any kind of vehicles or anything? How are they going to be deployed, or is this just well, whatever they well, need? I mean, they, they got to send out. Um, uh, Actually, no, I didn't come up with vehicles for Cobra. I did. I did with the Joes. That's a fine. Cobras, that's I a just, fine answer. The Cobra's yeah. going out in the mothership. Why not? Yeah, the only thing I could think of was, well, there's the Wolf, but that's not. A, that's an Arctic vehicle. That's not going to count. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to the Wolf at a later date. Um, all right, I'm going to go next because I think with this kind of question, we we really do have to save Christian for last. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so, Noel, I'm on the same page with you. I chose Crystal Ball to lead this mission. Well, I don't know that you had him leading, but I chose him to lead this mission uh, just because he's kind of the potentially mystical, strange, mysterious character. And really just visually, he's a guy that's going to mix well with horror elements. Uh, Zarana is along for the ride as well because you need that love interest for count dracula that's a always a component of any dracula story so zorana is going to be the one who's uh having to deal with dracula's romantic advances uh dr mindbender is along as well because as a scientist he is well as, as a master of the science of the weird he is appropriate to potentially deal with all of these different creatures. Uh, Major Blood is there to coordinate the troops. Uh, he's seen it all. He's a mercenary. He's been through a lot. He is the, in my mind, the senior member or the senior operative of all of Cobra's forces. So he's a guy who's been around. He's seen some weird stuff. Uh, and then finally, as far as my singular personalities, uh, Big Boa, because I want to see Big Boa fight Frankenstein. <laughs> That's... Don't you mean Frankenstein's monster? Well, at this point, I think we've all accepted <laughs> that the, they're interchangeable. 
Uh, and then as far as troops go, uh, we're sending along battle android troopers because they're robots. Any supernatural stuff or influence that these creatures might have aren't going to affect robots. So they're not going to have the same weaknesses that fleshy humans would have. But we are sending along a troop of incinerators because when you're dealing with monsters, fire works every time. Fire bad. Uh, and they're going to be dispatched with a swamp fire, a bug, and trouble bubbles. The bug is going to be slightly altered to be more of a troop carrier in the event that they have to capture these monsters. They're going to have cells inside of the bug to stick them in. So there you go. That's nice. my Cobra Force. All right. Okay. So with mine, um, see, I feel like the two of you are trying to, your Cobra is trying to get these monsters and get them on their side to fight along with them. Yes. And my Cobra wants to capture them, dissect them, and use <laughs> their abilities to enhance their troopers. <clears throat> so you have to fool the monster. You have to trick Dracula, Frankenstein, and all of them into trusting you. Uh, so I went with more of kind of like a visual. So leading it is going to be Cesspool because he is used to toxic environments death doesn't bother him so yep uh to show that they have monsters already in cobra you gotta have raptor because you've got <laughs> a gill man a wolf man a bat now you have a bird of prey so he's just going out there being crazy, blah, 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 and totally sucking them in. So for your troops, they are expendable. Cesspool has put a team together because you you got to have just really honestly the um, the folks to throw out towards Dracula. So while he's, Cannon fodder. Exactly. V vampire fodder sucking the blood out of somebody you can go ahead and inject him with that sleep and whatever so we have the range vipers because of the skull and brains on their helmets and we have the sludge vipers because we really don't quite know what's going to hurt these monsters we also have dr mindbender because he's been working on a project that has failed repeatedly, which would be the Monstro Viper. Therefore, he's got to get his hands on Frankenstein and the Wolfman to figure out how did they bring this to life. But he's a coward. So he's not going to put himself in physical harm. So he's going to be jumping around in the pogo because he is completely <laughs> enclosed. Yeah. They'll have the Cobra Rage out there, mainly because it's got the uh, big shovel-looking thing, you know, the snow plow on the front, which looks like it belongs in every horror movie. And to take care of the Gill Man, because he really, sorry, he serves no purpose, they're just going to unleash the Hammerhead 
on him and take him out. How dare you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, oh, and also, one, because he's expendable. Two, because nobody noticed him. They send Xandar along with them. Because he can just walk around the battlefield and, and fight with nobody given to you know what. <laughs> and he he can also potentially be Dracula's love interest. That, very true. All right. So uh, we've, we've all got our different perspectives on uh, Cobra's deployment with some overlaps. Now... Uh, let's see what G.I. Joe is going to do about the situation. I'll I'll start with the Joes. All right. Uh, so, obviously, Dracula returns. All these monsters are with him. Clearly, he's going to base his operations in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I am not going with Special Missions Brazil on this one. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's my little joke. Um, no. Uh, so leading the team on this one is Doc because of his secondary military specialty as a chaplain's assistant. You, you, got uh. a man, you send a man of God out there <laughs> to deal with these supernatural threats. Uh, we want Scoop on the team to document all of this weirdness. We want a record of what the team is encountering so we know what what's happening how to deal with it because they know we have to send in a smaller team to kind of assess the threat but if they need backup we're going to need to see what went down uh repeater is going in because you want heavy firepower and as we mentioned i think not that long ago he's just got straight up the aliens rig that is going to be great for blowing apart the undead that Dracula is going to raise or the mummy or whatever. There's going to be a lot of undead involved in this. Oh man. I hope they do. I hope they do just some awesome, like mummy troop builders for operation monster force. Like the oh, ones, the ones from the Brendan Fraser movie, like yeah. just ran, random mm. decaying mummies. That would be awesome. All right. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, and since Cobra hundred percent had it right by sending out the incinerators. Well, Joe is sending out blowtorch. I did not realize how much presence blowtorch was going to have in our horror themed <laughs> stuff here. <laughs> We're talking Arctic blowtorch. Now we've got blowtorch on the monster squad, uh, but it makes sense. Uh, you're also going to send along low light because he is a night based operative and he's going to be able to scope these bizarre threats out from a distance. Uh, and finally, Torpedo, because he's good on land and sea, and they know that there's the potential for there being some sort of aquatic threat as well that Torpedo is going to be able to get a handle on. Uh, and they're sent out with just two vehicles. They have the APC, because it's basically a mobile base of operations uh, capable of carrying, you know, all of these guys, and it's, it's big, it's secure. Uh, and then a Skyhawk. Uh, Scoop is going to be in, kind of monitoring from above. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, Christian, you you've still got to go last uh, this time. So, Noel, <laughs> what do you what do you get on the Joe side? So, uh, in on mine, uh, and this is also somewhat inspired by uh, the review we'll be doing later on. Uh, the person who's leading this operation is Low Light, because 
I feel like Lowlight's going to be the one who is going to uh, have the the strongest uh, stance in the face of uh, you know horror. Obviously, he's he's dealt with nightmares his whole life. Probably seeing you know vampires and and monsters all over the place are not going to really phase him that much. Plus, Lowlight is a sharpshooter. Um, he's he's a night spotter, not a sniper. Uh, but he loads that uh, that thing up with a silver bullet and possibly a wooden bullet somewhere, you got two of those guys down pretty quickly. Um, joining Lowlight on the team, uh, I feel like Tunnel Rat would be a pretty good guy for kind of getting in there and some of the, the tight spots they're going to need. Ooh, Spirit. he can crawl through some catacombs. Yes, he can. Uh, Spirit, obviously, can help to track uh, some, of these, uh, some of these monsters. Sci-fi is just there because he's like, this is so cool. <laughs> this is every convention he's ever gone to. Uh, Blowtorch is there, obviously, because fire bad. That's right. Uh, and Chuckles is showing up because he's going to grab the Wolfman and take him to pe- take him to Trader Vic's and have a pina colada. <laughs> His hair was perfect. His hair will be perfect. Um as for vehicles, and also who's going to well, be driving real, real those quick, vehicles. Real quick, oh. I, I like Spirit, because then you also have the uh, possibility of, you know, Dracula, they kind of get him back down, he's on the run, he turns into a bat, starts to fly off, and Freedom swoops in, and we get a <laughs> Dracula yes. bat versus Freedom fight. Yes, yes. Uh, so for vehicles, uh, we've got uh, our personnel carrier is going to be our Warthog. Uh, it's also going to be heavily armored, and it's going to be all, you know, all terrain as well. And so Slaughter is going to be driving that Warthog. Um, you know, you can't have a, a horror mission without the Phantom X-19 and Ghost Rider flying it. Oh, nice. And then you're also going to need to get in probably to go to go find the Gillman. You're going to need that Swamp Masher with Muskrat. So that's going to be uh, it's going to be filling out our our vehicles. I almost had Muskrat on on my team just for the swamp factor. Very nice. All right, Christian, bring us home. Okay. So you guys are acting like G.I. Joe is aware that these monsters are out there. Because how did this all happen anyway, right? Well, if the 80s cartoons and movies taught us anything, it actually wasn't Cobra that originally found these. Oh, no. So let's put our team together with a few special surprises. So leading our team is Mega Marine's version Clutch. And the reason why it's him is he's taken a few Joes up to New England for a little R&R long weekend because his cute little nieces are going to be in their Halloween play. So they're all going to go see it. So you've got Clutch, you've got Jinx, which it just so happens she can fight blind. So she can't be seduced by Dracula. You have Lowlight, obviously. You guys went with Blowtorch. I went with Charbroil because his suit of course is a did. bit scarier. And he is, he just likes to set stuff on fire. And rounding out the team, just because he's completely covered, Ice Cream Soldier. Oh, but wait, 
How can I say that's rounding out the team? It's not. Because if G.I. Joe has taught us anything when you're fighting monsters or giant robots, you need cute little kids. (laughs) So it just so happens that Clutch's nieces were the ones who found the spell book that accidentally released the monsters. And who are the nieces, you might ask? Why, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. (laughs) What is this, Scooby-Doo now? No! Aren't aren't they like 35 now? (laughs) Well, they weren't in 1982. We're pretending that they are cute. Exactly. So... Oh my gosh. You I thought have... you were going to say like the Mothra girls and they summon Mothra oh. at the end. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going total 80s Goonies Monster Squad, which is also why I couldn't go with the obvious one of the Corys. We will also have Sean Astin. Now, the other thing about 80s teens fighting monster movies <laughs> and the fact that G.I. Joe is just there on vacation to watch Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen in their cute little Halloween play. They don't have vehicles. They have Uh. BMX bikes, which they use (laughs) to fight against the monsters. Does Clutch uh, alter the BMX bikes to have like stakes and catapults and stuff on them? Yes, that's why I had to pick Clutch. Because somebody's got to be able to trick the bikes out and do some rad moves. I want to see. I want to see Clutch on his modified like Mad Max monster fighting bike and uh, Charbroil uh, turned around, standing on the pegs on the back, just incinerating monsters while they drive through. In my mind, he gives the souped-up offensive bikes to the other Joes. Remember, this is Mega Marine. Oh, right, right. Bike. He's not. He's not. So the bike. he no, he does have a bike, but much like his Play-Doh chest armor, <laughs> he has covered a bike in bubble wrap because he is the defensive <laughs> that is going through and drawing the attention away. I want everybody listening to this to understand with a hundred percent absolute clarity. When Christian says Play-Doh armor, he means literally in this scenario, Clutch has has Play-Doh armor. Yeah, again, that's why you have the little kids. There's a formula you have to Come on, kids, put this Play-Doh on me. (laughs) Let's go. Wow. Put me in that mold and press it tight. Oh my gosh, if that if they had represented Mega Marines in the Deke cartoon, that's how it would work. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> just, there would be a giant mold and be like, it's Joe time. And he'd like lay down and he'd go clunk and he'd get up and have his Play-Doh Although armor. now that you say that, I want an G.I. Joe anime with the Mega Marines with a Sailor Moon S style transformation sequence of the big mold coming down. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Happy Halloween, folks! Can't be bothered to That's, pretend anymore. Uh, we're 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 not going to uh, we're not going to end that segment any better than that. <laughs> Thank you.
right, we're keeping it creepy. Uh, we went through the archives of, well, I went through kind of everything. I, I combed through everything a little bit because we do a lot of Sunbow here on the show. Uh, but this one really jumped out at me. And since we've just recently gotten a low light figure, uh, I thought it would be appropriate to take a look at the G.I. Joe Real American Hero episode, Nightmare Assault. This is from season two. It's episode 24. It aired on October 29th, 1986. So Interesting. Is, yes. They, well, no, because I have October 30th. Oh, really? Well, well still. Well, close enough. Yeah. Either way, yeah. it's proximal to Halloween, so it's appropriate yeah. uh, as an episode to discuss. Uh, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. That's, I mean, I don't know how often they did that, where they would time episodes around Halloween. Well, I mean, I, I presume remember, it's intentional. I remember other cartoons doing that. And if you recall, um, Cobra Claws is coming to town was close to Christmas. Like they, they, but, I mean, that's, but that's a lot more explicit. I mean, that is definitely an episode about Christmas. This is a kind of scary episode and they they did a lot of kind of scary episodes. So, well, yeah, that's true. There, I mean, there are technically a lot of episodes that would fit into the horror mold, but yeah, this yeah. one is clearly very specifically horror uh, to give everybody a little context for what was going on in 1986. I did a little extra fact finding here. Uh, the number one song at the time in America was, well, you know what? Let's take some guesses here. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, would, no, no Googling, fellas. But just off the top of your head, what do you think might have been the number one song in October of 1986? I am not a music guy, but I I, I'm never... going to say Nightmare on My Street. No, way too early, first of all. But uh, yeah, also not a number one single. I was like, Living in America, guy, that was right? the, li Living in America was the 87. But I'm trying to think of what might have been a number one hitter. I would time. never have come up with this, but I'm not super good at nailing down dates for 80s music. The number one song in America was True Colors by Cindy Lauper. Uh, we'll, we'll throw out another one. What do you think might have been among the top five movies in October of 1986? Top Gun was probably out of theaters by then. Top Gun is not on this list. This is another tough I'm one. Not, I was, I yeah. would not have gotten a single one of these if somebody had asked me this question. It's definitely not Transformers the movie. No, <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> All right. Only so, in our minds. Yeah. Uh, so number five was Soul Man. Oh, that's a wow. problematic movie. That did not no age well. Number four, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Okay. Number three, Children of a Lesser God. Oh, wow. Number two, Peggy Sue Got Married. Star that? And wow. number one, The Color of Money. Oh. What a weird list of movies. What? Yeah. That I would never have put. Well, Color of Money, obviously, because pretty much everything with Tom Cruise was, was a big hit. But, like, the rest of those? I mean, those are good movies but what a boring list 
Well, so, some of uh, those are good movies. <laughs> yeah, some of some of them are good. Others. Yeah, I never would have guessed. Really I not. thought Jumping Jack Flash was. Not I would have thought hit, it was a bomb. But yeah. but if you no, really it was think a, about it, was it a big hit because it kicked off Whoopi Goldberg's movie career. Yeah. So mm. it, it's like looking back, a lot of her movies were kind of bombs. But Jumping Jack Flash, Sister Act, um, Ghost. Well, that yeah, but those is, were I mean, all she was later. In that, but that, that I don't think of that as a whoopee. I was in high school by the time like version. Sister Act Ghost came out. 90, 90 was Ghost. Sister Act was like 91, 92. Oh, so, was, I mean, it? It was I thought yeah, Sister yeah. Act was earlier than that. But, I mean, this so is when Whoopi was, was really starting to become uh, well-known. And uh, Jumpin' between... Jack Flash is an underrated movie. Yeah, I remember really liking it at the time. Uh, all right. So anyway, that's a little context for 1986, the year that was. Uh, this was this episode was written by Marv Wolfman, uh, and I will not pronounce it any other way. I don't care what you tell me. Uh, it was directed by Ray Lee, as was every other episode this season. So I forgot to ask you guys to do this again. Last time I said, hey, while you're watching the intro, if anything jumps out at you, try to make a note of something. Uh, that's my failure. But uh, the one thing that I noticed is as we're getting the Joes kind of heading into camera action time, a Night Raven just crashes in the background, like yeah. right behind the Joes, oh. just just out of the sky. No, no cause given. Just boom, explode. Night well, Raven. This was the gone. same intro from the last episode we watched. So, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But there are other things to notice beside besides the fact that Lady J immediately captures Serpentor and ends the conflict. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, Marv Wolfman or Wolfman, if you prefer. Um, this is it's pretty. It's a pretty big get for for this because you know he had already he had some clout in the world of of comics and stuff, specifically for an episode that's a horror theme because he's the guy behind Tomb of Dracula. He also uh, you know, worked on adaptations of Stephen King uh, novels and stories. So he's he's got he's got a little horror clout there. Yeah, he's definitely one of Marvel's better known creators from the era. So the fact that he's working on GI Joe is is very very cool, and producing a horror episode not a surprise. Uh, so our episode opens with Lifeline in a blizzard clearly in a dire situation and he finds iceberg who fortunately is not a mutant whale this time, <laughs> but who is dying. Yeah. And that's, they, they very rarely even like mentioned dying. Lots of death in this episode, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of direct references to death and I assume they justified it because it was all in dreams or nightmares rather. Uh, and not actually happening, but I mean, they specifically say, that, "Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it." Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Iceberg says that Cobra got him, and Lifeline determines that he has hypothermia. But fortunately, Lifeline has a test tube full of something that cures hypothermia. <laughs> <laughs> this magic which, glowing bile. Which you should I have called thought... blowtorch over. Come on, blowtorch. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna put you in every segment in this episode. What we've determined in this episode is that blowtorch is right for any situation. Uh, no, I thought the only cure for hypothermia was to take all of your clothes off and get into a sleeping bag with someone else. That's was this what from Voyage, the, the Voyage, Voyage of the Mimi, the Mimi told, told yeah. me. 
Thank you, Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so well, real, real quickly, I do want to point out, uh, again, you can tell that this is one of the Sunbow episodes that used the good animation. Yes. Studio yes. Because Iceberg, they actually drew his face. Like he's got um, like stress marks on his mouth and lips. Yeah. Like he's freezing up like it they did a good job of making you believe that iceberg was dying and th there are a lot of shots of really close-up detailed faces in this one although at one point hawk's nose does disappear entirely <laughs> uh so uh lifeline has his magical test tube of hypothermia cure but then a giant cobra shows up and causes him to drop it shattering on the ground dooming iceberg to die a, a icy death uh so the cobra's attacking and iceberg saying you gotta kill it and lifeline says i can't kill it even if it's a giant cobra spitting out trouble bubbles <laughs> <laughs> uh so then and this is very interesting because all of this obviously is nightmare fodder enough like they didn't have to go much further than this scenario because it's it's terrifying if you're a little kid watching this it's a giant cobra what is happening it's confusing it's disorienting and it's also horror uh but then they take it a step further and lifeline takes a pistol and shoots the cobra so to me it was another depth of the nightmare is that lifeline isn't just in this horrible situation but then has to make the decision to kill, which goes against his principles. And it goes badly for him. Yes, because the pistol turns into another cobra, and then even more cobras come up out of the ice and strangle him to death. And then he wakes up, revealing the fact that this was a nightmare assault. This was... This was a wild opening, but you know what was even more shocking than all of that happening? Lifeline not sleeping in his uniform. <laughs> well, yes, there's a lot of that I'll discuss in this episode of, <laughs> of when uniforms are appropriate in the world of G.I. Joe. Well, we know for sci-fi, his uniform is always appropriate. <laughs> well, we know in the next scene when a uniform is apparently still appropriate. Yes. But I think we also learn that lifeline is a mutant when he wakes up because when he puts his glasses on he can't wear just normal glasses that's right they have to be green tinted he's, like his goggles he's he's got so like he's like he a has health vision he's a reverse cyclops yes i can't go outside without my green glasses <laughs> or i randomly heal people um, yeah, which I the, guess is the, how he got his hypothermia cure. He just looked into a <laughs> test tube, and that that opening sequence when the giant cobra bursts up out of the ice, you're like, okay, that's what got Lifeline. I got it. And then when it opens its mouth, and the trouble bubbles started flying <laughs> out, I was like, wait a minute, how big is this cobra? It's very large. Because, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like a robotic machine, but okay, I'm just going to run with it. I mean, it's all a dream. So it's anything it wants to be. That's right. 
Good point. Uh, so Lifeline, troubled by his nightmare, wanders around Joe headquarters, uh, heads into the lounge, and there's some kind of monster movie playing on TV. And who's in there, Noel, and what is he wearing? So uh, Lowlight, of course, is sitting in the dark watching television in his full gear. Also, right behind him appears to be a Jackson Pollock painting. So I'm glad that they chose <laughs> some fine art for G.I. Joe headquarters. But yet, yeah, in his full gear, including his goggles over including his eyes. Including his goggles. <laughs> I have a theory, though. Based off of this episode, we know Lowlight doesn't sleep. So his eyes, like between the caffeine and lack of sleep, he's got to have terrible bags and bloodshot eyes. And yeah. he doesn't want the other Joes to see him like that. Just like the, the classified figure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so then we head over to Cobra headquarters where it is revealed Dr. Mindbender has invented a somulator? Sombulator, I believe. Sombulator. Yes, okay. I believe that would make more sense from the root term there. But uh, yeah, I heard sombulator with a B, but I could okay. be wrong. I also, uh, uh, Lifeline is talking to Lowlight before this, and he he's like, I've read your medical files. And yes, he's the medic, and so he's allowed to, but the way it comes off is a little creepy. I'm like... Are you just stalking the other Joes and looking for all their, like, medical quirks? It is one of those things, like, it came off like, you know how when somebody mentions something you posted on social media, but mm -hmm. they never engage with you on social media? It came off like that. Yeah. And uh, I have down as one of the, the quotes that I loved, and this episode listeners is incredibly quotable um <laughs> uh lifeline i don't remember quite what it was that he says to low light but it's something along the lines of like like you don't sleep or something along those lines and low light goes you make do <laughs> you <laughs> have no choice <laughs> that's a hot topic word shirt wait right <laughs> Uh, okay, so and yeah, it is. It's the sambulatory psychic wave machine. Oh, I don't remember him saying that at all. I don't I remember that it. either. But it no. is sambulator. He, well, he, he does say that it emits psychic waves to drive its victims mad. Uh, so in our next scene, we go to General Hawk, who is leading an assault on a Cobra facility. Everybody's in a conquest. They're all wearing slipstream helmets. Which is why I knew immediately this must be a dream because the Joes never wear flight helmets when they're <laughs> right? flying jets. Well, one Joe <laughs> is not wearing the slipstream helmet. And that is Sci-Fi, who clearly never takes his <laughs> yep. uniform off in any way under any circumstances. Uh, and the Cobra base that they're attacking... The way it's animated, it looks like it was built on ice, like on a frozen lake. Because there's snow all around, but then where, then there's just a giant clear bluish ground. It is interesting how much of this was Arctic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have nightmares where it was snowing in my room all the time. Maybe like ice and snow in nightmares is a common thing. Ooh, you might be right. Mm. Okay, I am trying to figure out. Uh, well, we, we we'll get there in a second. So, giant cobra pops out of this facility. Same giant cobra as before, except this one spits fire instead of trouble bubbles. Uh, completely wipes out all of the Joes except for Hawk. And I'm trying to see who Hawk's voice actor is. I've it's, got John uh, John Stevenson or Ed Gilbert. Looks Ed, like it Ed might Gilbert. Be Ed, yeah, Gilbert? Ed Gilbert. Okay. Is the voice of Hawk. Ed Gilbert really, really goes for it in this episode. Um, Him and Charlie Adler both. Charlie Adler being the voice of Low Light, because that's yes. a note that I have for a later scene. But yes, well. Hawk, there I, I can't find any other way to describe what he does throughout this episode other than crazy shrieking. No! Stop! 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 No! No! My, my nightmare is coming through! Gotta fight it, Iceberg. Gotta fight it because... it is wild uh so hawk like lifeline wakes up shrieking crazily but but the end of his nightmare oh right joe team is killed his jet is attacked he ejects and parachutes right into the mouth of the giant cobra while shrieking crazily yeah they're all dead. Well, no! and he does. He no! does say, he straight up says, they're all dead. I got them all yeah. killed. We're talking mm-hmm. about death in a G.I. Joe cartoon. But right, which dream. is which is why, like, there was there was no no innuendo, no coma. Like they are animating right. him I, and you I see lost, he is I going lost in the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. They're gone because of me. Like that's usually the kind of verbiage we would get in reference to something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so Hawk wakes up and, uh, runs into Lady J. Lady J's like, oh, I, I had a nightmare. And Hawk, classic one-upper, is like, well, it couldn't have been as bad as mine. Like, what kind of, I hate that. And Nothing somewhere around this time, Hawk describes the way he feels as, I feel like eggs do after they scramble. And I feel like we had a similar, just silly line that doesn't mean anything in a recent episode we reviewed yeah, I think about right. scrambled eggs. <laughs> but and we also been... learned what a dirty little girl Lady J is. Oh, yeah. She, she's like, oh, my nightmare was I was singing the Star Spangled Banner in front of a whole stadium. And Hawk is like, that's not so scary. And they animate her cheeks turning red. And she yes. goes, well, I wasn't exactly in my dress uniform. <laughs> they uh, were they were a little cheeky with Lady J more yeah. than they were with any other woman in this series. Because uh, we all we all know the um, another horror-themed episode that she appears in with Destro. Dude, we reviewed mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's all we did. All right. Uh... Okay, so next up, the Dreadnoughts are attacking an oil rig. 
We see the Cobra submarine, which I'm always happy to see. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Joes go out. They're all in tomahawks this time, which is really weird that there would be a fleet of tomahawks. But as it turns out, it's a dream again because there's that gosh darn giant cobra again. <laughs> Only it's not a dream. This is all real, and the giant cobra is actually there. Hawk, after some more crazy shrieking, mans up, Joe's up, and blows up the cobra. And it's just kind of like, okay, blew up the cobra. Great. Good job, Hawk. Like, it was very anticlimactic (laughs) for for a fear-conquering moment. Well, we know why they had to have a fleet of tomahawks this time. Well, right. Because they've already sold you the conquests in the previous uh, right. scene. So, uh, and, you know. And it also it ties into Christmas. It also ties into the fact that uh, we're we're seeing like all of the 1986 Joes in this episode. Yep. <laughs> so we go back. Oh, we've and, and again, it's the reveal that, oh, this really happened. Uh we get Serpentor and Dr. Mindbender, who it's always fun to hear them exchange lines because you just get the sense that Mindbender is just tolerating Serpentor. Well, and like Serpentor is just absolutely, I mean, he's so impatient. He's just He's more of a buffoon than Cobra Commander. Yes, yes. He's just petulant this entire episode. Because uh, Doctor, at one point we might not be there yet, but it, yeah, no, here we are. Okay, so first of all, Serpentor's throne is just preposterous. Well, <laughs> the one that's inside the mouth of the really sad-looking <laughs> <Yeah>. cobra. <laughs> I got a screenshot of that sad-looking cobra. <laughs> I, th- you know what? I think I did too. I took a picture of that as well. Um, and he's like he's... fifteen feet up in the air. Yeah, yeah he's he's. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm scrolling through my pictures, which I took a lot in this episode. Yes, I, I got a picture of his ridiculous uh, throne that's a coiled up. Yeah, it, it's a little derpy. Yeah. yeah, that cobra's got some derp going on. Uh, so, Serpentor and, and Mindbender are having their exchange. Mindbender says, uh, the, my plan is fantastic. It's working. We had a big, giant, inflatable cobra, and G.I. Joe freaked out. I mean, they blew it up, but they still freaked out. In just a few weeks, we should be able to destroy G.I. Joe entirely. And Serpentor's like, weeks? No, I want it now! Like, it's he's Veruca Salt. Oh, 100%. <laughs> just completely insufferable. Doesn't, is it this scene when he says like i want them fighting for me i think that's the second mindbender serpentor exchange uh so we we get the big reveal that my of of what mindbender's plan is is he's going to plant these giant snake images in the joe's heads and then they have actual giant snakes on the battlefield to mess them up and confuse them or whatever. And the longer this goes on, the more frazzled the Joes will become, which is a pretty good plan. It's just that Serpentor won't let it take its time to happen. Let it breathe, Serpentor. That's right. Uh, So back at Joe headquarters, Lifeline tells Hawk, everyone is suffering from nightmares. Everybody's all messed up. Uh, They still have not put two and two together, though. 
which is really weird because they deal with ridiculous stuff like this all the time. Uh, then we go to the drive-in, and Iceberg is with his extremely Jamaican girlfriend. Uh, who did we meet her in the yes. Iceberg Whale yes. episode? Yes, yes, we did. Okay, that's what I thought. She's is she the scientist? Yes. Uh, what's her name? Starts with an M. Um, I cannot remember. Mal- Malia, Malaya, Malia. Something like Where's that. Where's Rachel when we need her? That's right. She would know this immediately. Uh, uh, so they're at the drive-in. Mahia. Mahia. Okay. M-A-H-I-A. Yeah. Uh, they're at the drive-in watching a very Flash Gordon-looking movie. Except Flash Gordon is Ming colors, but that's okay. We don't want to infringe on any copyrights. Uh, and so for some reason, Mindbender and Serpentor are like super tuned in on Iceberg. Like... He's their big get. They're like, we've almost got him. It's almost time. And it's Pentor. So Mindbender's running his Somnambulator or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, and Serpentor goes, increase the power. And Mindbender goes, to the max, my emperor. To the max. <laughs> like, his dialogue is nuts. And the fact that they're focusing on iceberg of all people who who hasn't he had a rough enough time already after being turned into a whale let's give iceberg a break but they don't who falls asleep not leaning back but he just falls forward like he's dead I mean he hasn't slept in a few days at this point he's got to be pretty tired horns I Look, I one night when I was in high school, I was up all night, uh, and I remember going to band practice the next day, and I was so tired, I fell asleep in the floor, and my entire band just played an entire set while I slept on the floor. You're that <laughs> tired, you'll sleep through a horn. Wow. True. So he's out, uh, his, his Jamaican girlfriend uh, kind of props him up, and then... You're a really fun date. Yes, yes, she she manages to to castigate him just a little bit because uh, he's fallen asleep. Uh, then we get the Joes in the gym. Noel, would you like to, to describe the Joes workout gear? Well, I said obviously this is a dream because the Joes are not <laughs> doing workouts in their uniforms. <laughs> so the Joes, yeah, they've got some uh, red and blue. Uh, gym shorts and some uh, tank tops and uh, at first you're looking at these guys you're like man I didn't realize that uh, I'm presuming this is sci-fi I didn't realize he was so ripped um, right so the first one we see has to be sci-fi right yeah uh, I mean I, then, I, I had to go with like listen to the voice and I was like yeah that's right. sci-fi so we and then see we get dial tone uniform and then dial tone who you know um, it's him because he's got his mustache but I mean these guys are these guys are like well, uh, you 80s know wrestler him. ripped. You know it's him because he's got his mustache and because of the voice, it's not Leatherneck. Right. <laughs> who Who is in the episode? Well, but Leatherneck, I mean, he's in that scene because isn't he the one on the rower? Because he's got the bushy mustache. No, that's dial tone on the rower. Because when he talks, yeah, no. it's dial tone. Oh, yeah. my bad. No, Leatherneck later on is uh, playing poker 
Right. With yeah, that's wet that's suit. why when I watched this the second time, my brain was registering the one on the rower was the, Leatherneck. This gets so many of the 86 Joes in it, which is another reason I really like seeing this one. It was just a fun variety because a lot of times these episodes have maybe three or four Joes they focus on, and that's kind of all you see. This had a big, big roster. It was cool. Yep. Uh, so in the gym, they're working out. They're in their matching gym clothes. I'm trying to figure out who's who. And then Hawk comes in in uniform. And starts climbing a rope and talking about how they've got to just uh, focus on the problem and forge ahead. But he's he's full on. I think he even had his helmet on, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes, he's yes, got his he helmet did. on. Everything. Because we saw earlier when he was having his little psych, psych evaluate. Or wait, no, this is later on. We get helmetless Hawk. We'll get to that. So he starts climbing the rope. And guess what? The rope turns into a cobra. And we get more crazy shrieking. Uh, Hawk's losing his marbles. So he goes to talk to Lifeline, who, as far as I know, is not a therapist, uh, <laughs> but is handling this stuff. But he plays one on TV. That's right. Uh, and we get Hawk, who I'm really disappointed because we got a shot of a G.I. Joe hat rack, but we did not actually see Hawk's helmet on the hat rack. <laughs> we just see him putting it on after he's been talking to Lifeline. Uh, so we we get the scene of kind of all the Joes are on edge. And to me, this, it has a real Nightmare on Elm Street vibe, especially yeah. like mm-hmm. Dream Warriors, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. he's trying to stay awake. Uh, this this was absolutely inspired by that, I think. Yeah, I, I definitely, kinda... I made a note that it's, this has got to be Dream Warriors inspired. Because did that also yes. come out in 86? Uh, Dream Warriors might have been like 85. 80... No, it couldn't have been 87. Oh, Dream wow. Warriors was 87? It, 1987. Yeah, Whoa. you know what? That makes sense because uh, the soundtrack was it. Yeah, would have definitely been 87. The Dawkins oh, because Dawkins. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Otherwise, that would have been the number one song. So Dream so maybe Warriors Dream- ripped off G.I. <laughs> Joe. This is not the first time we've made this kind of discovery, by the way. Mm-hmm. Wow. So just just next time your your horror buddy is talking about how awesome Dream Warriors is, you tell him about Nightmare Assault and let him know where it really came from. Wow, that's wild. Okay, so anyway, uh, as we already mentioned, Leatherneck and Wetsuit playing poker. They get in a fight. Cross Country gets involved. And uh, Leatherneck tells him, nobody hits my buddy except me. I my favorite part of this montage was quick kick uh, karate chopping his pillow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have the fight going on in the uh, in the garage, I guess it is, and low light comes out and breaks it up. Uh, and then he goes outside and sits under a tree and just falls asleep. Why is he sleeping under a tree? <laughs> What's happening? Well, because the Joes inside are going crazy. They're screaming and yelling, making too much noise. Gosh, this really, wow, this is wild. That, because even this part about the demonic junkyard is Dream Warriors. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, this was also very, like, heavy metal as well. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, and and when I say junkyard, we're talking about a literal junkyard, not the dog. No. Right, right. Junk, junkyard, <laughs> the dog is not in this episode. So I don't, they were selling him at that point anymore. Would would one of you like to discuss this? The greatest I mean, animated moment in and monologuing in GI Joe history. Yes, go for it, Noel. I don't know if I can. I mean, I don't, can anybody a lot do going this on justice? here? We learned that Lowlight has daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you, so he's in this nightmare landscape. It's like the sky is all weird colors. Like Dave said, it's a kind of a junkyard, spiky looking, lots of shadows and darkness. And you hear the dad's voice um, saying things like how he always knew his son was a coward and worthless and low light is screaming back at his dad that he's not with these great lines. Nothing stops G.I. Joe. Nothing. <laughs> hear like me, dad. And all these cars have like these crazy demonic faces and the headlights yeah. are coming on. And so the dad tells him in order to prove he's not a coward, he has to kill 20 rats. Well, and it which is a like a mission in like Grand Theft Auto or something, is what I'm thinking. Right? <laughs> well, it seems like maybe, maybe Lowlight's dad ran a junkyard and he would force Lowlight to go out in the middle of the night and shoot rats or something like that. Right. I probably feel like there's actual... a whole other story there right. That, right. that we're missing. Cause I was like rats. Like, did he lock him in a cabinet when he was a kid? <laughs> but like these cars, these, these cars are half car, half rat. Like they have a rat's tail. Well, they're clearly they... the, the demons from the yeah. cars universe, <laughs> which so, uh, if, if you don't, if you, uh, I, I don't recommend you Google Pixar cars homunculus. Don't Google that. <laughs> but much how you said that the uh, Hawks voice actor was going for it. This is pure Charlie Adler at his screaming Yes. Best. Yes. Yeah. It, it truly, like, why there are not talking word performances of this at Joe conventions, I now will never <laughs> understand. <laughs> Maybe because we'll do that this, instead of the game show next year. Yes. Yes. Um. So his his father. Uh, Besides killing the twenty rats, is like you you can't come home until you kill twenty rats. So that also makes me think like Lowlight was kicked out of his house at some point. Like if this is what's always going on inside his mind, right, right. Wow, I understand why he doesn't sleep. So we see Lowlight take control of his dreams, scream at his father, and and deal with his childhood trauma all in one, you know, two minute segment. Pretty impressive. If only we could all 
deal with our traumas <laughs> so quickly and cleanly. Uh, really, all it takes is manly screaming, and you can get it done. Uh, in our next scene, Hawk finally puts everything together. He really, wait a minute. We're all dreaming of giant snakes? Hold on. Uh, and they... You mean that the same terrorist organization that tried to control <laughs> the weather might actually come up with a way to uh, get us all to have the same nightmares? I'm sorry. We missed something. What did we because, miss? Because during the nightmare sequence, sorry, I had to check my notes real quick. During the nightmare sequence, we go back to Mindbender and Serpentor because Mindbender makes points out that the subject low light is right, resisting. Right, right. And Serpentor yeah. is like, crank it up because we've gotta we gotta, you know, break his mind or crack him like an egg. And so um the the rat cars start turning into cobras because everything else in this episode did um and when they turn into the cobras that's when we get these great lines you gotta be tougher than that i'm not a wimp anymore i'm a gi <laughs> joe <laughs> This time I'll get those blasted rats! You gotta be tougher than that! I'm no wimp anymore! I'm a G.I. Joe! And nothing stops a G.I. Joe! Nothing! So yes, uh... Many dramatics from your Yes, and so of course, he beats the rats. I mean, the snakes. And and we get and, two two results out of this. One, Hawk figures out it's a cobra plot, and so okay, hang on. There's a lot. There's so much going on here. So Serpentor is losing his mind again because Lowlight just defeated their little scenario, and he basically tells Mindbender to be Freddy Krueger. He says, you're going to have to go into their dreams and handle this. And Mainframe has invented a machine <laughs> that turns uh, Lowlight into Alice from Dream Warriors. Only we now know that Alice is actually main or Lowlight. Uh, this is mind-blowing revelation here. <laughs> So mainframe has a machine that connects the Joe's dreams together. So low light can go in there and uh, handle business. He's the strong one who knows how to deal with the dreams. And then before they go drift off, uh, they're, they're sitting there. This is where we get the really incredible rendi rendering of uh, low lights face. He says, they don't have a second chance. How does he come by this knowledge? Why is he so gloomy? Like, why is he? Why does this feel like they don't have a second in your chance? Dreams, you die, die for real, real, just like in Dream Warriors. <laughs> There's a <clears throat> when they do the montage earlier, they just pass by mainframe, and like everybody else is either having trouble sleeping or you know it's the them fighting over poker. 
but like mainframe's just tinkering around at a computer kind of like normally in that scene so it right. kind of builds up to the fact that he's he's got his mind set on coming up with this plan there's a lot there's a lot of like build up and payoff in this episode more than they usually do well i just took that as him trying to keep himself occupied so he didn't fall asleep yeah at, like, at that point well it's, it, he he didn't he just didn't look like as stressed as the rest of them did he like he was just hard at work well, he's mm-hmm. a, he is a machine, as as we discover. And if uh, you thought that part two or or the second segment, the the low light uh, fighting the car rats, was an LSD trip, no, buckle up, Buttercup. Wait. <laughs> so all of the Joes are now in a dream together, once again in the Arctic. Uh, which is which? This is actually. I was thinking too. I think Christopher Nolan watched this episode uh, twenty five years before making Inception. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Joe has influenced everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so this is all craziness. Iceberg and Alpine fall off an iceberg. Which where did Alpine come from? And where is Bazooka? That's Alpine's nightmare. Is Bazooka isn't there? <laughs> Yep. Oh, um, good point. <laughs> uh, so they fall off this ice bridge. Uh, Dial Tone can't speak, which is a nightmare for him because which obviously... is a nightmare for me too. Like that. That this is one that resonated because <laughs> snow and me not being able to speak often in the same dream when I was a kid. Oh wow! Wow! Ooh, yeah, great. like it'd be snowing in my room, and my my parents would be yelling at me to turn it off, and I could not respond to them because I didn't have a voice. Ooh, recurring nightmare that I used to have. Uh, well, my my personal nightmare is up next. It's mainframe is turning into a robot. This is insane. Which is I prof- loved this. Profoundly disturbing to me because Superman three. Yes. Where the lady gets turned into a robot is horrifying. And then later on in life, Tetsuo the Iron Man, a movie that I watched Mm -hmm. once and will never, ever, ever, ever watch again because I cannot handle that kind of body horror. Uh, So this this messed me up. Hawk is, of course, just freaking out again. And Lady J just gets blown into the air. Whew. I was wondering about that because you see her, right, like she's picked up by the wind, but then she's like reaching for Iceberg and she's like, grab my hand! Yeah. Who's and saving like, who it, in this scenario? Because Iceberg's about to fall off a ledge. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, it got, it got a little confusing, but that's okay because then the giant cobras show up again <laughs> and joins hands. We well, but like when Iceberg falls and we think he's falling to his death, <laughs> he does get lovingly caught by General oh, Hawk. It's like Fezzik and Buttercup and Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> like um, we've now learned that we can control our dreams. So, yes, they all join hands. We get giant cobras again. And then we get. The giant mindbender head. <laughs> the great which is powerful mindbender. Amazing. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. It yells, it breathes fire, it threatens, and then you guys who shows up. <laughs> the rat wait, 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 himself. But, but, oh, 
Before we get there, though, okay, so Mindbender is is blowing fire, and Hawk, as we said, everybody's holding hands, and Hawk keeps saying, like, don't let go. It's not real. We have to hold hands and stay together. Like, they are having their Whoville moment as the ice is breaking up <laughs> underneath of them. And, and, and it is like hands across America. It's so epic. Which, if you've seen us, has a completely different connotation <laughs> from what it used to have. <laughs> True. Um, so Lowlight appears riding a herd of ratmobiles. <laughs> And I said, so there's more than one Super 7 uh, toy that I need that came out of this episode. I need that mainframe uh, cyborg. Um, But man, I need these rat cars. Yeah, I want want a Ratmobile with low light on top of it. The problem is he needs to be that leg spread macho pose. It can't be a regular reaction figure pose. Right. Mm-hmm. That would look dumb. Uh, mind Maybe this, order- is, this, this is what you do with the uh, ultimates line. This is your, uh, your exclusive. Yes. The car. Yes. Yeah, give me a rat. I don't need a, <laughs> I don't need an ultimate vamp or any of that nonsense. Give me a rat mobile ultimate. Uh, so mind orders the snakes to kill low light who says in a chuck and becomes gigantic. <laughs> uh, he becomes Apache chief. He does. <laughs> and then he throws an iceberg at Mindbender, who, like, more weird noises of distress. And Mindbender wakes up and just goes bonkers and shoots the machine. <laughs> Having ice, having an ice flow thrown at you is like the least offensive thing that's happened to anybody in this whole episode. But my vendor <laughs> cannot handle it at all. He can dish and, it, but he sure can't take it. That's right. And he says, I must destroy this evil machine. Right. Like, you built it. Well, I think that, you know, he, he realized pretty quickly this thing is getting out of hand. Uh, Serpentor wants more out of this than I'm willing to give it. So, uh, yeah, he took matters into his own hands. And so, thusly freed from the machinations of the Samulamblaber, the Joes wake up, except for Lowlight, who's sleeping peacefully for the first time in years. The best slumber he's ever had. That's right. Little did they know he actually passed away. (laughs) (laughs) he died on the way back his soul is still riding rat cars (laughs) in the afterlife yes uh all right so wow that was was, a 10 out of 10 it it was it was a blast to watch it never got slow there was never a point where i was like okay let's move it along like it was Mm -mm. nuts it was perfect for this time of year loved it yeah, this is one, like, I mean, I've re-watched G.I. Joe a dozen times, and I remember this episode, but I guess I just never paid that close attention to this one. Well, because... we've talked before about how when you're sitting down to take your notes and to discuss, it's a different experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so highly recommended for everybody, particularly during the uh, during the Halloween season, 
Nightmare Assault. Available on the Hasbro YouTube channel, uh, if you don't have any other way to watch it. Monsters are unstoppable! The Mega Monsters attack with crushing tentacles and gruesome gut bombs! But G.I. Joe Mega Marines come equipped with pressure molded bio armor! Battle ah! damage! And here's the G.I. Joe Monster Blaster APC with its lock and load cannon! Mega Marines come with bio armor. Cobra Mega Monsters and G.I. Joe Monster Blaster APC. Figures and vehicles sold separately. Cave Lab set not available. You Cobra Monsters are pretty tough, but I'm going home! This is Instruments of Destruction, where we look back at one of the vehicles or playsets or non-figure items of G.I. Joe. And of course, we wanted to stick with our monstrous theme of the episode. Today, we're looking at 1993's Mega Marines Monster Blaster APC. So guys, I... I wanted to find something and and we're running a little short of accessory type items there was one i wanted to do but i decided that i have to own it before we do a segment on it so next year look for that one this one popped up and as many times since we've been doing this show as i've sat down and gone through 3d joe's gone through yojo and like kind of looked at the stuff that was past my time in gi joe every time i find something new and this monster blaster apc is awesome and i have no recollection of it from previous visits to the websites uh do did either of you when you saw this come across in the notes did either of you immediately like know what this uh, was and have a memory of it no Mm -hmm. and i actually was envisioning something that was much more like garish and i for some reason i was thinking it was something that was like orange well and that's one of the things well that's that's mega marine clutch is orange yeah so the (laughs) their vehicle you would think would at least match him but no well and that's kind of one of the things that's so wild about this is it's not like yeah it's got a It's not quite a neon green. I mean, it's a bright green, don't get me wrong, but it's not quite neon, but the rest of it is like dark green and then olive drab. Like, this is a fairly conservatively hued vehicle for 1993. Mm -hmm. And it's... Like, it also kind of makes a lot of sense. It's not completely insane in its design, I really like the way it's got a massive cannon on top, which does fire. Oh, that's weird. Do we not have? No, it's got a missile. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find an image of the missile. Oh, it's on the front of the box. Yeah, but artwork it's, wise. Just, it's weird that this doesn't have like a breakdown. We're I'm looking at 3D Joe's because Yojo's information on this is terrible uh but it does fire a missile which is kind of funny it's a little bit of a measly looking missile 
for such a massive cannon. I thought it would be like a foam dart or something because at some point, I think by this time there were vehicles that fired actual like nerf. I don't know if they were nerf, but like yeah, if it wasn't dart, this yeah. year, it was the next. Uh, but anyway, so it's got a massive cannon, which makes sense. But what's cool is when the cannon elevates, it reveals uh, a troop bay. You know what? This now that I'm looking at it. This is not dissimilar to the APC from Aliens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that at first. But now, like, when you see the way that it opens and the, the seating that's underneath the missile launcher. Oh, man, now I really want one of these things. <laughs> I wonder what these are going for on eBay. Uh, I'm... Yeah, I... Like, even looking at it on 3D Joe's, it says that it holds 20 G.I. Joe figures. Which is mind-blowing. Yeah, because the inside (laughs) part does not look all that huge. It looks like maybe three or four Joe's each side. So there must just be a lot of... But there's the gun turrets, there's the pegs, Mm. you've got your driver's seat and your gunner's seat up front. Dude, there are one, two, three, four, five, six pegs on the back that you could theoretically get six Joes on. Mm. There are four pegs on each um, running board. There's the pilot. You could fit at least four Joes on each side in the bay. Like, this is... This is a heck of a vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't appear to be that large. Like you're looking at it on 3D Joe's and I mean, it's about as tall, a little bit taller than a single figure. And I mean, that's probably what about 12 inches long. I don't know. I think it's bigger than this is making it look. Um. Well, I don't know because if you look at that top image loaded up with figures, um, Although what's interesting, so look at the right side. Oh, there's a gunner's seat as well as the pilot's seat. Yeah, there's gunner's seat mm-hmm. on the Two gunner the seats front. in the back. But look at the right side. The figure sitting in the bay is facing forward. Whereas it looks like the seating behind oh. that figure is facing to the side. So there's a whole yep. other... Man, I got to get one of these. <laughs> $209 for a boxed one. That's actually not bad. Oh, here's one for 30 bucks. It's not complete. I was going to say, it looks like if, if you want to piece one together, you can do it fairly cheaply. Yeah, but, a complete... but because of all the... What? What? G.I. Joe 2004 Toys R Us exclusive Cobra APC. It's the monster yes. transport, yeah. but it's in black, gold, and red. Yeah, yeah. so they, they, they took they took something good and made it great with that. Yeah. Thing. That is a that's a beauty of a vehicle. Okay, wait, where is is that on this page or am I gonna have to go somewhere it's, else? I found it on Yojo. Um Okay. It is from 2004 APC Transport. 
using all of our resources today. I was just scrolling down to eBay to still see if I could find one loose complete. Uh, and that one was one of the, and that's one of the listings. But Whoa. Like yeah, all the other it looks like an Iron Grenadier's vehicle. There's a Night Force maggot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want that so bad, and I will never, ever buy it. You, well, you actually, would... you know what? To be honest, 135 bucks for a Night Force thing, probably not bad. Ugh. Okay, so wait. I'm going to 2004 vehicles, you said? Yes. Gosh, I was actively collecting then, but I, see, I probably wouldn't have given this a second glance. Whoa. Oh, and it comes with three bats that match mm -hmm. it. That is killer. Although, you know what? Honestly, I prefer the original color. This oh, is wow. great. This is great. Don't get me wrong, but I, I like, I really like this original one. See, I like it because, I, it, again, it's not an Iron Grenadier's vehicle. It's a Cobra, you know, it's a Cobra vehicle in this case. But it does fit that color scheme, and it oh, does yeah. kind of fit the aesthetic of the Iron Grenadiers, where everything yeah. was kind of yeah. asymmetrical um with a lot of their vehicles so uh yeah this is this is nice yeah that's great uh so this would be great you know we we did our segment earlier where we were talking about which vehicles would be dispatched and this would be appropriate for joe because i i picked the apc mm -hmm. because i, I want warthog have... for similar reasons right and this is like a mixture of the APC and the Warthog. It is, but you do have one potentially fatal flaw is that whenever you aim the cannon, now you're, all of your troopers inside you. are exposed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would like I get it from a toy point of view right. why they designed it like that. But ideally the cannon would move independently of that hatch. Uh but I get it. This this thing is awesome. I will absolutely at some point own this vehicle. I will probably remove all of the paper stickers and order Toy Hacks labels for it. But uh, yeah, this is great. This is very cool. Yeah. Uh, any more thoughts about the Monster Blaster APC? It's a great update to like, because between the original APC, did we have anything else until this one? Well, they said so the, the Warthog served is the purpose of a personnel carrier as well. Yeah. Because it holds like it holds like 14 figures or something like that. Yeah. I guess I just don't think of that as an APC, but you are right. Mm. Well, awesome. You guys, let's wrap this thing up. Welcome to Knowing is Half the Babble, where each of us gets a little bit of time to talk about anything we want that may not even be G.I. Joe related. Christian, you got some babble for us? I do. Um, so I'm putting it out there to our listeners and, and you guys. Um, 
when I, you know, we all know about Bullseye, the hidden, not so hidden target eBay. Right. Um, and, and there were some Apex Legends figures that popped up on it. Um, so I started looking because there's this one that looks like he would fit right in with the storyline of the moles. Because he's got like this gas mask, all of these cylinders and canisters, and he just looks like, you know, science guy trying to keep himself safe. I don't play Apex Legends. I got no idea. Um, I think he's called Caustic. Is Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm just curious if anybody out there has uh, any experience with these. They do look to be in the same scale as the classifieds and even on amazon these things are dirt cheap they're like 10 12 bucks um and i i was thinking of getting some to pad out mindbender's lab yeah i'm i am aware of the line but i know nothing about it order one find out ah good point (laughs) it's cheap enough i'll take the risk it's the only way to know for sure (laughs) (laughs) um Okay, so mine is pretty simple, although it's appropriate for the title of the segment. You guys may have mentioned this site before. I I have learned so much from the both of you about G.I. Joe's online presence. Uh, there is a site called halfbattle.com. And it is a fairly exhaustive resource run by one guy named Christopher Pope. Uh, covers G.I. Joe from 1982 to 2009. But what's interesting about this site is it covers the characters, the toys, and the story. There's a complete timeline of Joe's history and release schedule, a pictorial identification guide for figure accessories, basic information on G.I. Joe vehicles and playsets released each year, profiles of all G.I. Joe official figure characters with details on each version of the characters. So he has cross-referenced like Snake Eyes figure with appearances in media, with story, with like, it's it's an amazing website that I've really only kind of dipped my toe in at this point. But it's quite a rundown of G.I. Joe's history uh, from 82 to 2009. I, I can't wait to get a little deeper into this. But the, the we, all three of us know what it takes to run any kind of website to collate information to to keep a running archive of anything and this seems like a very exhaustive gi joe resource wow yeah Mm -hmm. i'm looking at just like i just picked up a clicked on a random character like stalker and it shows like to the second where he appears in episodes and wow line how many lines of dialogue uh, so p- I did this to because I was trying to figure out information about a specific character for a future episode that we're doing. And this site came up and I was able to see which episode of what cartoon that character had the most impact on using this website. It's wild. Yeah, this I was is, positive this is one of you guys had brought up, uh, like you can see... Um, 
appearances 24 time identifiable on screen 921 seconds total lines in his own voice 44 seconds uh, i mean this this page for the opening um you know the the theme opening is looking incredibly familiar but it might be something i randomly came across one time and then was not able to find again Okay, well, and that's the second I found it, I stuck it up in my toolbar because I was like, I cannot lose this. This this is an yeah. amazing resource. So yeah, for... I just yeah, it must not be it may not be indexed very well because this doesn't show up in search results when I'm looking for things a lot, and I feel like it should. Yo, it hundred percent should. This is this, this is the this most valuable some... Yeah, this needs some SEO on it, like, yeah. big time, because I feel like this has got a lot of very, very valuable information on it that, yeah, I don't think I've ever been to this site, and that's that's okay. amazing to me, because I've been to so many Joe sites. So. Well, it's amazing to me, because I was, I was like, there's no way... I found this. The guys <laughs> must are going to be like, oh, yeah, half battle. It's great. We've told you about it like 10 times. You don't remember? Like, I thought for sure that's what was going to happen here. It was very lo fi. I mean, it's, you know, it's not a lot of which like, I like intensive it's graphical. Yeah. It, it easy loads to quickly. navigate. Yeah. yeah. I love this. So there, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, that is halfbattle.com. Nice. All right. Well, Noel follow that sure well um i'm gonna go back to what we the the pandora's box that we opened the last time we did an episode which was the bullseye target site oh I'm boy reference it again um so dave created a bit of a monster on this monster themed uh episode because i immediately went in there that night i i put about two dozen things on my watch list i was like even if i don't yeah. really want this we'll see what happens uh, I wound up getting the the uh, NECA Ultimates uh, Ash figure from Evil Dead um, for like 17 bucks, which is about half of what it normally goes for. Yeah. Um, one thing I picked up that I've been eyeing at Targets for a while, uh, which you can't see at home, but I'm holding it up, is the Jada Toys uh, auto-transforming um, uh, yes. Optimus I Prime. I almost went and got that after you told me you got it. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it, it was 25 bucks and the thing retails for 70. So it's right. like, yeah, I can't pass that up. I got a giant collection of Optimus Prime stuff. It'll fit on the shelf. So, and you can tell that the it's really prime as opposed yeah. to what keeps happening to Dave. <laughs> well, well and so here's the thing I'm talking about the good stuff right now. Now, the, this uh -oh. package, this package is, you know, a little, little beat up, and that's fine because I was going to yeah, open this. My, my Ash. My Ash figure also a little beat up. It just came in a in a mailer bag, and and that's fine because I'm going to open that figure and put it on a shelf. Right. Um, so you know, if you're looking for mint and mint and on uh, mint collection stuff, then it's probably not the way you want to go. But looking at this too, I was looking at things besides toys because I sometimes buy non toy items from Target. Um, and uh, my wife and I have been looking what? for a set of yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, my wife and I have been looking for a set of um, uh, of nightstands for our bedroom. Uh, we got a new bed recently. We want something that fits the aesthetic a little bit better. And I found this amazing pair of nightstands that's normally about $400. And it said pair of two for $209. It's like, you know, 40% off the original price. And I was like, sold. Boom. It's going to be here in three days. Free shipping. That's awesome. Order this thing. Uh, it's initially supposed to be delivered on Tuesday. It 
they, they tell me I'm getting early delivery. It's showing up on Saturday. So Saturday, it shows up in a box. A box. One box marked one of one. <laughs> and you said that you had replied back to them and they immediately sent you a refund, right? Correct. Well, we're working on 50-something hours at this point, uh-huh. and I've gotten no response from them. Um, oh, well, now, wait so- a minute. What did you... Because I just hit the return button in well, eBay. I didn't I like replied, send a message or anything. Yeah, I sent him a message and I said, hey, I've only got one of these. Oh. Because I want the other one. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and and then I, I went through it. You're going to get anywhere with that. Yeah, I may just have to f- submit the uh, the refund. But well, I went through the feedback for them. Uh, looked specifically because you can search their feedback by item name. Right. And I found one other person who had bought this exact same thing and they also had the same experience. They got one. Um, so they had, they had replied and said, I had to settle for a partial refund. So they apparently did get some sort of response from them because they had to go find the second one themselves. But then Bullseye responded to their feedback and said, we're sorry. And it was English was not this person's first language who was writing the response, yeah. which if you've ever tried to contact Target's customer service, that's pretty common uh, for a company that does very, very well with their retail establishments. Their online customer service is not very good. Um, but um, yeah, they basically said, just submit the uh, order for a refund. And once you see that, uh, that it's uh, on its way, we'll refund you the money. It's like, you didn't read what she said. She already had settled for the partial refund, but whatever. Now I've got to figure this thing out. And I'm currently out 230 bucks after tax yeah. and everything. So, uh, uh, bullseye, great deals on there. Buyer beware. Um, <laughs> you're not going to get mint and package stuff, and you might just not get the quantity that's actually being sold. Well, oh, no. And, but no, go go through eBay and open a claim that you did not get what was advertised because they'll eBay is going to side with you, and you're you will get your money back. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I, I I just want the other I just want the other one. That's that's the big thing. I can buy well, this. Contact set. the person that won the other auction. <laughs> Get together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like Well, we will we will continue to follow the saga of Bullseye of on eBay. <laughs> because you know we're not going to be able to resist buying certain things when they pop up. So we'll we'll continue to follow Noel's story and we'll see what other because they I have gotten a couple of good things from them as well. I got uh Manny Faces from Masterverse. Uh I've got a Misfits fiend figure from NECA that should be here tomorrow or Wednesday. And it has the window box, so I'll be curious to see what condition that's in i'll probably review that on the needless things youtube channel we'll see but for now we got to wrap this thing up fellas our music is by andy samford of electricminnowmusic.com you can follow us on instagram at audible interlude podcast you can catch us live every other monday on the needless things youtube channel our next live stream is october the 23rd please do join us for a spooky good time you can follow us on x at gi joe audible Noel, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Finest? The Finest is an international G.I. Joe costuming club. 
Uh, and uh, we want to help uh, raise money for a great organization called Canines for Warriors, and we need your help to do it. So uh, you can donate or you can uh, help us by dressing up like your favorite Joe character and possibly applying for membership at thefinestcc.com. Check out the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook if you're looking for some tips on how to make your costume uh, ex uh, acceptable to uh, our our the fine folks who judge those costumes. And Christian, tell us where can we find the toy photography you do so well? You can find me on Flickr and Instagram under the name Legion Cub. Well, everybody listening and uh, Noel and Christian in particular, thank you so much for sitting down and talking about G.I. Joe once again. Until next time, yo, Joe. Cobra. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.